Okay, you talk about anxiety. I can speak, but I can't sing. I am a horrible singer, and anxiety is wearing a microphone the whole time the worship's going on. I always have this deep down fear that they're going to play a trick on me, turn it on, everybody's going to leave, that'll be the end. Okay, I'm very excited to have um, two of my Hope and Passion team members with me. Well, we are the team. Karen Fulton and Bria Craycraft. So, big... You're going to see why I bring them with me, okay? Here's why. Girls. Really, it's for more than this. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, isn't that good? good. They also um, know directions well. I have no sense of direction. I once had an interview. I was staying in a hotel. The interview was in the lobby, and I couldn't find the interview. Okay, so I have no sense of direction. have no idea how we got here. As a matter of fact, I'm so high maintenance. So difficult to deal with, as Carol learned last night at dinner, one of the things that bothers me is the paper on straws, straw paper. If it's not plastic and it's paper, I can't touch it or see it or I'm not able to eat. It sickens me since third grade. I don't know why. I know there's some deep recess, you know, something way back there. That's, I don't know why, but I'm very high maintenance. I have these weird quirks about myself. I'm just an everyday kind of strange person. And so Karen and Bria, they put me in the back seat to get here. They said, hey, if you're going to bring that much luggage and you're so needy, then you just go in the back seat. We'll stay in the front seat. So that's what they did. At one point, I just took a nap. I set my suitcase up and made myself like a little crib. And I took a little nap back there. And they said, oh, did you wake up? You know, so, and I woke up and here we were at Countersport, you know. My family uh, warned me that this was really out there, you know. Uh, they scared me to death because another one of my high-maintenance problems is I am an insulin-dependent di- insulin diabetic, which does mean I go to the restroom more than the average person. I also inherited a very small bladder from my mother's side of the family. So I go to the restroom on average every 45 minutes, okay? So I was very worried about this trip because, you know, my family said, it's, there will be no bathrooms. Take toilet paper with you. You won't be able to stop and go to the bathroom. So here's me, the whole morning, yesterday morning, I drank nothing but my glass of milk with my cereal. I can hardly open my mouth by the time I get here. I'm so parched. My pastor, who I won't say his name, but he's the pastor of Norwin Alliance Church. I'm on staff at Norwin Alliance Church. I'm the director of youth and young adults there. My pastor, and I won't say his name, told Bria and I before we came that we should bring Two spare tires, a shotgun, three cell phones, and told us we'd probably see Bigfoot. Okay? So, haven't had to use any of those yet because the cell phone doesn't get reception. But anyway, um, we're still looking for Bigfoot. We're trying to think how we can stage, like, putting a bedspread over ourselves and, you know, making it look like we saw Bigfoot. So, it's been fun coming here, but I just say all that to tell you, I'm just your normal, average, strange, down-to-earth person. Um, I also do tend to spit when I get really wound up. So, if you're in the front row, yeah, you, you do you usually have to have a shield. And I've, I, I usually will warn you when I see it start to come. It depends on how wound up I am and, you know, how parched I really am. But I can see it coming out at times. That's just, that's good. That's good. Um, let's see. What else should I tell you? I guess that's 
strange enough by way of an introduction. Amen? Amen. Okay. So, anxiety. You know, we have all kinds of anxieties that we deal with, from the small to the really, really big. And I'm excited to be here because I know that God is going to meet you where you're at. Now, I remember, I'll tell you, my husband and I, my husband Jeff and I, we do not have any children of our own, but we do have three dear nephews, and I happen to be very close to two of those because of the divorce situation in our family and was very close with them for quite a long time. And one of the nephews' names is Noah. He's going to be 14 years old soon. But the time that I'm talking about, he was about three or four years old. And one of the things that I would do, I was a teacher back then, so I was dressed from a day of teaching, and I met he and my mother, and we went to the Irwin McDonald's for dinner. You know, kids like to go to McDonald's because they have those play tubes. You know, the tubes. I don't know how intricately woven all the tubes are here in the McDonald's around here, but Irwin back in that day, they must have had like two miles of tubes. You know, with every possible connection. And so, it was the first time ever that Noah ever said to me, Aunt Shelley, can I try to go in the tubes? He was always a very timid child. And so, I remember saying, okay, you can go in the tubes. You know, so he went over to the opening. And I know how Noah is. He's real shy, real timid, probably takes after his aunt, doesn't have any sense of direction. So, he climbs up in the tubes. I don't know. 30 seconds, 45 seconds pass. And from high up in the tube area, I hear this shrill scream. It's Noah. He is bawling. And I looked up at the web of tubing, looked at my outfit, my body. And I, I looked at my mom and she looked at me and I knew what was about to happen. Okay? So, I have naturally curly hair. I seek to straighten it every morning. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But you should see my hair in its natural state. It doesn't grow down. It grows out. Okay, so I knew what was about to happen. So, I love my nephew so much. I went up that tube. Now, I have no sense of direction. I also get hot very easily. All right? So, I'm up in those tubes, and I don't know where I'm going. I'm trying to listen for this cry, but there's like ten other kids in the tubes, and these little tiny children are looking at me like I have three heads. Like, what are you doing in here? And I started sweating, and there was static electricity, and I could feel my hair clinging to the outer edges of the tubes. I'm trying to go tight around the turns, and I'm looking at all the other kids, and I'm like, do you see a little boy with curly hair like mine? Do you see a little boy, you know? And I'm asking everybody, and I'm starting to sweat. Now I'm going into like a full panic attack. I'm lost. I don't know how to get out of the tubes. I was going in circles. I don't know how long I was up there. Sweat pouring down my face. Finally, I said to some little kid, how do I get out of here? And he said, you know, make that turn. You go down the... Okay, so I made the left turn, and I went down, and sure enough, I was going down the slide. I could feel as I was exiting the tube and starting down the slide, I could feel that my hair was still completely up here. I came down the slide. There were about eight adults standing at the bottom, clapping for me as I came up. Wet with sweat, hair standing out on edge. And who was standing with the adults? Noah. Hi, Michelle. (laughs) Okay, that was nice. Now, I always remember that story because of this. God 
is coming to get you no matter where you are. He's not like Aunt Shelley. He doesn't get lost in the tubes. But that day when I heard my nephew cry in the tubes, it didn't matter what my outfit was. It didn't matter what I was going to look like by the end of seeking after him. None of that mattered to me. I had no pride to worry about. I was going after Noah. And that is what God is doing for you today. Amen? God is coming after you. No matter how lost you feel in the tubes, no matter how scared you are, when we cry out to Him, He meets us. Amen? And that's what His Holy Spirit is here to do. So I want you to pay attention to God's Word. This is not a self-help seminar. That's not pop psychology. This is the Word of God applied to our hearts. And it's called Anxiety Undone. So I'd like you to bow your heads with me for a moment while we pray. Father, as I come to you this morning, I'm thanking you for your presence here. I'm thanking you for Carol and the team of uh, leaders who has brought this event together. I'm thanking you for every woman who is in this sanctuary. And I'm praying in the name of Jesus that you meet us exactly where we are. You have promised to do so, Lord. And you have said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we know that you are in this place and we are seeking to honor you. I ask that your Holy Spirit go straight into our hearts. Break us where we need broken. Help us, Lord Jesus, for we need you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So anxiety undone. Anxiety is everywhere. As I told you, I was anxious even while I was singing because I was afraid my mic was going to turn on. Remember the other day I was at um, Starbucks. I like to go to Starbucks and get a coffee before I teach Sunday school in the morning. Now, everything I do, I am very passionate, and I, try, I tend to do it to the nth degree, maybe a little bit harder than it should actually be done, all right? So I've gone to Starbucks and gotten a medium decaf coffee, and how many of you, when you go to Starbucks, like to use that vanilla powder stuff to flavor your coffee? You know how they have it in, like, salt shakers? Okay, one other person. Okay, Michelle and I, we like that. Okay, there's a few. All right, so I don't like just a little bit of the vanilla flavoring. I like a lot of it. So I went into Starbucks. I was the only person there because it was early on a Sunday morning. Got my decaf coffee. All the workers are behind the counter. And I go over and take my decaf to go flavor it with my vanilla and my Splenda. So I take it over. I put my Splenda in. And the vanilla shaker, I'm like, I went like this with it like a normal person does. And a little bit came out. But that's not enough for me. See, I want more vanilla flavoring. Okay? So I really started shaking this thing. Now, I've been known at times to unscrew the cap. And even pour it in, okay? But I decided to, you know, since the workers were there, and I decided to try to do it. I start shaking this thing, and the lid came off. The silver lid. It came off and went straight into my coffee. Okay, no big deal. I'll grab two of the wooden stirrers. I'll put two of them together, because certainly if you put two of them together in a fork-like fashion, you can catch the end of the silver top, get it out of your coffee, and get out of Starbucks, okay? So I take the two wooden things, digging. Nope, can't get it, can't get it. Okay, I was starting to sweat because all the workers were still behind the counter and they're probably thinking, why is this woman taking 10 minutes 
with her coffee. Like, what is she doing over there? I started putting my body to block between the coffee and them. They're wondering, what, what, you know, and I was afraid. I took three wooden spoons, or three wooden stirs, and I tried to get, couldn't dig the thing out. Typical Shelley. What do you think I did? Threw the sticks away, put the lid on my coffee, and walked out of Starbucks. <laughs> I went to Sunday school, showed my class. There it was. Hey, some vanilla flavor kind of just continues to, you know, be taken off of that lid and keeps it flavored for quite a long time. Now, I do have the lid still in my office at the church, and I am going to return it. I know I am a thief until I do return it. Someday I'll just do a drive-by, pull it out of my pocket, throw it in there. So there can be moments like that when you get just a little bit anxious because something dumb is happening and you're, like, embarrassed. Or you can have true anxiety. And I want to say that I am not someone who is foreign to that. I went through a period in my life uh, before I was married, right after I was married. I remember when Jeff and I just moved into the house that we're in now. Um, I think we moved in in the year 2000. I remember sitting in the bedroom of our new home and having one of my ever-famous panic attacks. I mean, true panic attacks with the tachycardia and everything going on. I've, I know what it's like to live through deep anxiety. Just as a point of identification with you, as I said, I'm not a type 2 diabetic, not belittling type 2 diabetes, but I am a genuine type 1 juvenile diabetic since age 13. So for 30 years, I've struggled with an illness. I've given, you know, I do 10 or 12 blood tests a day. I give four to six shots a day. And every single year that goes by is like a countdown to see what organ your disease is going to affect. I'll talk to you a little bit about that later. Praise God. He's kept me very, very well. But I know what it is to struggle with real problems. I know what it is to live with something that is constantly underlying. Uh, We don't have children. My family went through a, a terrible time of divorce with our nephews. And ironically, praise God, yesterday morning, the reason we couldn't leave for Caldersport until noon, was my dear brother, who is redeemed and saved by the blood of Jesus, walking so close with the Lord, my brother walked into Eaton Park and had breakfast with me yesterday on his first day of release from federal, federal prison. So, um, some of you who heard me speak at the first women's retreat, I talked about that. You know, our family, my life has been affected by many, many trials of all types that are deep. And I know that we face those kind of things. But I want to tell you something. God has the power to undo anxiety. We can live under the trouble that the world brings on us because we have a God who is bigger than the world. Amen? Doesn't mean it won't get difficult at times. But God is very, very real. God has an amazing ability to undo things. Truly amazing. C.S. Lewis, has a famous quote you may have heard. And he talks about the great undoing of things when we finally get to heaven. And I remember a dear friend of mine once came to me when I was a teacher, a Bible teacher in high school, and her daughter is terminally ill. And she came to me very disturbed about the situation, very worn down from the illness and wondering what was going to happen to her daughter. And I remember her kind of coming to me and asking me how, how she was supposed to process that. How could God possibly be working anything good in this situation? And if you were to look at it with your human eyes, you couldn't really see, you know? 
And I looked at her and I said to her, look, you've got to believe me, my friend. If heaven is real, if it is, then it is forever. And if God is infinite, then he has an infinite number of ways in which to work. Amen? You may never see on this side how he is going to repay you or your daughter for your faithfulness to him. You may never understand. But here is the promise. And this is what... um, uh Maybe do I have this on? Let me turn it on. And this is the promise that we get from... Uh oh, clicker. Is it working? Where do I have to point it? She asked me, is it turned on? (laughs) Thank you, Marissa. Okay, it's turned on now. Are we ready? Where do I point it to? At the monitor? Bria, do you want to take this and work with it until you can get it to click for me? I don't want to interrupt. Oh, wait. Did I do that or did you? I did. did. Wait, I did it. I did it. Okay, I'm doing it now. Thank you. Okay, I do wear reading glasses. Thank you. Up there. I do wear reading glasses even though I'm only 28. Can you believe that? That's amazing. 28 years old. Okay, C.S. Lewis, here's what he said. He said, that is what mortals misunderstand. They say of some temporal suffering, no future bliss can make up for it. Not knowing that heaven, once attained, will work backwards and turn even that agony into a glory. I'm going to give you a little testimony later on about this brother of mine that I'm speaking of. I can tell you personally, in my own life, listen, if somebody would have said to me when I was 13 years old, do you want to have a life-threatening illness? that will probably be your demise in the end, I would have said to them, no thanks. But if you were to ask me now in the deepest recesses of my soul, Shelley, God has not healed you. You've been prayed for healing. You pray to be healed. What do you feel about that? I would tell you something. Through my struggle with my illness, I have been forced to depend on Jesus. I have studied his word since age 13 more than many other people probably ever did because I learned real quick how serious life is. Amen? If God doesn't choose to heal me before I go to heaven, I'm not a bit angry about it. Because I know there may be countless souls in heaven because I was sick and was forced to depend on him. Amen? Sometimes that's rough to talk about, but God sometimes allows us to go through things because He knows He's working a greater plan. God has a great and amazing ability to undo things. Um, If you see this picture on the screen here, I'm going to tell you where that's from in a minute. But how many of you are familiar with the book of Philippians in the Bible? How many of you like the book of Philippians in the Bible? Anybody know a verse from the book of Philippians? Anybody? Good, say it out. Amen. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things, all things through Christ which strengthens me. Anybody else? A favorite Philippians verse. You don't have to know the reference. You may vaguely know it. 
Yes, whatsoever things are pure and lovely, you know, we're to think on the right things. Great verse of encouragement. Anybody else? Philippians 4.19. Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.11. Paul said, I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content no matter the circumstances. What about the ever-famous Philippians 4, 6, and 7? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends human understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In Philippians, we find rejoice always. And again, I say, rejoice. Do you know where Paul was when he wrote those verses? Yes. Think about this. Because we tend to detach it. When Paul wrote those words, when he penned those words, he was chained to a Roman guard in a dungeon, knowing that he was probably going to be beheaded very, very soon. Now picture yourself over there in Iran, not where jails are half decent here in our country, picture yourself in a dungeon somewhere, chained to a soldier knowing they're about to whack your head off. And you write these words. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Amen? I'm going to tell you something. Make it personal because when I get up in the morning and my blood tester says I'm like 300, first thing in the morning... And I'm frustrated because I've exercised and I've done everything right. And I just want to give up. When I go to speak at an event and, and, and a bunch of terrible things start to happen and anxiety comes pouring in, what do we still have to be able to do? Say what? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Paul must have known that God was bigger than the circumstances that he was in to write a book of joy and encouragement in one of the worst case scenarios there could be. Now, this particular picture is not a picture of the dungeon he was in then. This is a picture of the jail, an excavation of the supposed jail that Paul and Silas were in in Acts chapter 16. Do you remember that? Now, when I taught the book of Philippians at Norman Alliance Church, Bree is in that class, I put this picture up and I said, this is the jail that Paul and Silas were in after they were beaten for the name of Jesus and and, and some smart aleck in my class said, well, couldn't they have escaped? <laughs> <sighs> this isn't the youth Sunday school class. This is the adult. Okay? So, anyway, yeah, it's an excavation. Okay? Some of the bars may be gone right now. But this is an actual excavation of the jail cell where Paul and Silas were. Now, in Acts 16, they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. People were getting saved. They actually delivered a woman from a spirit that she had for fortune-telling. They cast out a demon and they deliver a woman. Okay, well, God delivers a woman through their ministry. And the people in that town got upset because that woman was making them money through her fortune-telling business. They would rather have a woman possessed of an evil spirit and damned to hell and make money. Now, I could go off on a rabbit trail here. But there's a lot of Christian people who value work and income and the stuff of this world more than they value 
the human soul. So be quick before we condemn those people to think about that. But here's the bottom line. They delivered, they, they, through God, God delivered this woman from this demon. And people were getting saved. And the people in the town were angry because they were going to lose money. They had Paul and Silas brought before the rulers. And not only did they throw them into jail, they beat them with wooden rods first. Beat them with wooden rods, stuck them in a jail cell, in chains, hands and feet, in stocks. And you remember the story. This isn't just a Bible story. This is actual history. This is what happened to real Christian people. All right? What did they do? They started whining and crying like we do, right? (laughs) I I love to cry. How many of you women love to cry? Oh, I can cry long and hard. My mom says, nobody can cry longer than you, Shelley. You used to cry so long, we thought you were going to die. Okay? I love to cry and whine with the best of them. But that is not what Paul and Silas did. In that circumstance, they literally began to pray and sing praises unto God. Not before they were, not after they were delivered, but before they were delivered. And what happened? What happened? How did God free them? Do you remember? He sent a what? He shook that place up. He sent an earthquake and their chains came off. And you know that they were delivered and the jailer was saved and his household. Alright? Here's the thing to remember. With that dark picture of a prison or a dungeon in your mind, you remember the man who said, Do not be anxious about anything. Our God is in control. God has an uncanny, absolutely amazing ability to undo things in our lives, as He's done with my disease. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, I believe it is. You know the story of Joseph. His brothers sold him into slavery. They meant it for his harm. And in Genesis 50, verse 20, when he ends up being able to to deliver them because of what they had done to him, he says, you meant this to harm me, but God meant it for good to deliver many lives. And I stand before you to say, the devil does want to kill me with my diabetes. No doubt. But God wants people to be saved. Because I draw closer to Him through it. I don't know what your circumstance is or how God plans to deliver you, but I tell you this, He is delivering you every moment as you yield it to Him. He is working a plan. What the enemy means for bad, God uses for good all the time. An amazing ability to undo. Now here's one of my favorite verses about undoing. Luke chapter 9, verse 24. You talk about opposites. This is what Jesus said. Whoever wishes to what? Whoever wishes. Now look, it doesn't say it's actually possible. But if you would wish to save your own life. And I want to repeat that because the Holy Spirit wants to say something here. If you hold on to your own life and try to make it what you want it to be to save it. If you try to take control of your life and hold on to it and say, I'm going to have the kind of life that I want to have. It belongs to me. Guess what? That's wishful thinking. First of all, it can't be done. Whoever wishes to save his own life will actually do what? He's going to lose it. Try to keep it for yourself. Try to save it for yourself and you're going to lose it. But 
Whoever actually loses his life, for what? Not just for anything, but for what? For my sake. So you can lose your life to a lot of things. You can lose your life in, in a hot pursuit of a great career. You can lose your life in pursuit of ministry. You can lose your life in pursuit of money or the perfect family or all kinds of things. Amen? That's not going to help you. You have to lose your life for who? For Jesus. He says, but if you lose your life for my sake, then you will actually save it. Do you see the undoing? Do you see the opposite here? Try to hold on for yourself. Lose. Give it away for Jesus' sake and you actually gain. Now, I'm sorry. I apologize ahead of time. You will have to suffer through something here. It's almost worse than my spitting. I love math. I love math. Does anybody else love math? Okay, that's usually, maybe a, maybe like two, per, two or three percent in here. It's usually a half a percent of the people. I love math. I was a math teacher for 12 years. Okay? I'm going to put some math up on the screen. You ready? Keep your eyes open. You have to keep your eyes open. Now watch this. Oh. Is anybody salivating? Oh, isn't that beautiful? Oh, my goodness. Now, now the reason I use math in seminars like this is to show you guys something amazing. God is Lord over everything. Amen? He shows himself true through every bit of subject matter. God created the entire universe, the mathematical principles that govern it, the scientific principles, the literary things that we... God is Lord over everything and He shows Himself through everything. So, this is a graph. The red and blue lines are inverse functions. Now, inverse means what? People are going this. In general, not applied to math. Okay. Inverse? Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's not, it's not too, it's not too, I know. Isn't that something? If I were to take that off the screen and say inverse means one, everybody go opposite. Okay, put that up there. My brain shut off. What are you talking about? Okay. Okay, inverse means opposite. So the red and blue lines, don't they look like mirror images of each other? Now, I won't go too deep because this is trigonometry. But the green line in the middle is like the mirror, okay? That's the axis of symmetry. And the red and the blue graphs are inverse or opposite functions of each other. Inverse functions undo one another. Isn't that cool? Okay, I see a few smiles. Some people are like, yeah. Okay. Can we get a refund? Okay, now look. Inverse functions, they undo each other. So watch this. If you look on this graph here, you see the x-axis is horizontal and the y is vertical? Okay? If you were to go across the x-axis and go across between the 2 and 4 where the point 3 is, and you were to move up on the y-axis to 1, that's the point 3, comma 1. Anybody remember doing that when you were back in school? Okay, here's where it is on the graph. That is 3 over on the X and 1 up on the Y. See that thing? Okay. Now, we're on Earth and the blue line represents our, earth, our life here on this Earth. Okay? And we have points in our life that seem like they are going to get us. 
Like they are going to be our demise. I remember when I was going through the panic attacks in my life, I thought I would never survive those years. I thought, surely this is going to kill me. I'm actually going to have a heart attack because this is so bad. When my family was reeling from a very bitter and difficult divorce and I lost contact with my dear nephews for a while, when my brother was taken off to federal prison, when I had to exit my job in Christian education and God was telling me to do something altogether different. How many of you have ever been in big changes in life, big shifts, and you think, this is surely a point that is going to be my undoing? Okay? Now watch this. God has the ability to undo anything. And when he takes what is undoing you and grabs hold of it, he changes it into what is going to really make you who you're supposed to be. There's an opposite point on the other axis of symmetry. There's an opposite point that's being worked in the heavenly realms, but we can't always see it. Listen, right now in this room, I'm not trying to be weird here. I'm being very serious. When I get up and I speak before people, I don't even really see people. I mean, I am physically seeing you. But I see souls. And in this room right now, there are angels and demons battling for your head, for your mind. All week long, the demons of hell have been at my feet. This has been one of the absolute most absolute worst weeks of my life preceding this event. And every day that it got worse and worse, I raised my hand to heaven and said, thank you, Jesus. You're doing something awesome at Cowdersport, aren't you? And there are demons in this place right now going against your head, but the angelic forces are stronger because greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? 2 Corinthians 10, 3, and 4. Though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And if you are here this morning and your mind is stuck under anxiety and fear and pressure, and you are not where you need to be with God, you are not functioning in this world the way He wants you to, There is a spiritual weapon in this place. It's called the Word of God. Amen? And it is going to take control as you let Him. And it will bring the point that you think is your undoing. On the other side of the axis of symmetry, God has a point. He's going to undo what keeps you under and bring you above. Okay, now, don't look at the math screen. I'm going to ask you a simple question. What would be the opposite of the point... Three, one. Ah, yes. One, three. Okay? If we went over one on the x-axis and up three on the y-axis, look where the point would be. And these two points would undo each other. The reason I bring that up is I want to show you something. It's visual for you to see. Listen to me. Let God take your blue point and make it your red point. Amen? Let him do that in the spiritual realm this morning as we begin to talk about what actually causes anxiety. Now, I'm going to give you a little quiz. Yeah. Is it a math quiz? Yeah. You ready? Okay, here we go. Everybody, we're going to take a quiz. Ready? Okay. 
I'm going to put two lists of numbers on the screen in a minute. Now, if I had a $100 bill in my pocket, which I don't, Carol does. She's going to do this. Yeah. That, did I tell, I forgot to mention that's part of that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There, Carol has a $100 bill in her pocket. And here's the deal. The first person in this room, now here's the thing. You can pick either list of numbers that you want. The one on the right or the one on the left. You pick the list. But the first person to be able to add all the numbers in their head, you get the $100 in Carol's pocket. You ready? So you have to pick the list and you have to add the numbers in your head. The first person who has it done, they win the 100 bucks. You ready? Look at the list. Okay, there really isn't $100, so calm your brain down. You know what I mean? You don't have to do You get all that. But let me ask you a question. Which list would you pick? The one on the left. Very good, class. Very good. Very good. You did get that one right. You would pick the one on the left. Now, stay with me because math, I know you don't believe this, people. Math leads straight to the heart of God. I'm telling you. Math is, oh, it's a beautiful language, isn't it? Listen, listen. Why did you pick the list on the left to add in your head? It's easier to understand. Why? Well, you're just adding on the right, too. Oh, you're actually, you actually have some division. You're adding divided numbers. You're still adding on the right, but you're adding what kind of numbers? Divided numbers. What are they called? Fractions. We don't like to add the numbers on the right because they are fractions. Everybody with me so far? Okay. Now, why don't we like to add fractions? Why don't you want to add two nines to 101, 863rds? Why don't you like to add fractions in your head? Because what do you have to do first? <laughs> what do you have to do first? Think. Okay. Yeah. Thinking. That's right. Because before we can add them, we have to get what? Common denominators. I mean, this gets really messy. You know, the common denominator between 5 and 10, we might be able to figure out, but... You know, what's the common denominator between 9 and 860? This just gets really messy. Now, this is actually going to help you understand the root of anxiety. I promise you. You won't believe, when this is over, you will not believe how God is Lord over all of His creation and shows us through math, language, and the human experience what the source of anxiety is. Now watch this. You don't like the numbers on the right because they are fractions. Does anybody know what we call the numbers on the left? Whole numbers. What is another word for whole numbers if you add the negatives to them? Anybody remember they're called, begins with an I, integers. Yes, integers. All right, now stay with me. This is a simple truth that we should be teaching our kids. If you have kids that go to school or grandkids that go to school and they complain about doing fractions and division, you know what you should say to them? If Noah were to come home to me when he was little and say, Oh, Aunt Shelley, I don't like doing division. Adding whole numbers is good, but I don't like these fractions and this division. I, said, I would say, You know why, Noah? Because God doesn't like brokenness either. 
I'm not kidding you. This is huge. I used to travel around for the Association of Christian Schools International and train school teachers how to think biblically about subject matter. Do you know why the human brain can't add fractions quickly? Because the human brain is not rigged for brokenness. Isn't that something? There's an actual reason why kids in school hate to divide and do fractions. Because we're not meant to be divided. Wow. Okay? The root of anxiety is in division or brokenness. Now, we don't just see it in mathematics. Okay? You see it in the human language. If your friend were to walk up to you holding their head and say, My world is falling apart! That is never a good thing. Right? Generally, when we talk about falling apart, we mean bad. And if your world was falling apart and you said that to me, I might walk up to you, put my hands on your shoulder and say, pull yourself together. Why do we speak like that? Because in the world, division or fracturing or falling apart is always seen as a negative But wholeness and coming together is seen as a positive. That is not happen chance. That is God showing us something at the core. Okay, a schism. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a bad thing. You have a whole group and you have an offshoot that breaks off and rebels. That's a schism. S-C-H-I is a root that means a bad thing. For example, nobody ever grows up and says... Uh, Nobody is little and they say, when I grow up, I want to be schizophrenic. Nobody wants to have schizophrenia because it has the same root. And what does it mean to have a what? Divided personality or a mind. A divided personality. So schism, schizophrenia, my world is falling apart. All these things are telling us that division is not a good thing. It makes us work harder. I don't like to work. Now listen, I don't like fractions because if I say to you nine four hundred and thirtieth, you're like you're trying to picture a pie with four hundred and thirty pieces. And what does nine of that look like? You don't even understand that, do you? But if I say to you the number five, you're like, okay, five. So I know five things sitting there. Now listen, the word integer is the same root as the word integrity. Now think about this. Why do we like people with integrity? Why? Because what we see is what we get. That's why you don't like fractions. We like whole numbers because we can wrap our minds around it. What we see is what we get. I don't want a person that I never know how they're going to react or how they're going to be because that is not what God has called us to. Amen? Okay? So we see it in language. We see it in math. We see it in life. We long for wholeness. We long for integrity because God made us to be that way. No matter how you slice it, no matter where you look at it. Now, do you see this leaf up on the PowerPoint right now? Isn't that a beautiful leaf? Eh. It's a leaf that is what? It's dead. It's a leaf that has obviously fallen from the tree and it's beginning to, listen, dis 
integrate. We want integration, but this leaf is doing what? Disintegrating. Now, you think that I'm kidding you. You think, that woman, she's crazy. Tying math into God. She's nuts. Okay, no. Watch this. Leaves disintegrate when the season of fall comes. Right? God has rigged us for wholeness. We would rather see a nice, beautiful green leaf. Psalm chapter 1. Listen to Psalm chapter 1. You ready for this? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. So first of all, it's saying, blessed is the man or woman who does not take advice from or go the way of or live by the counsel of the ungodly, all right? But his delight is in the what? What does it say? His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates Day and night. Now, the word meditate there doesn't mean some weird thing like you're sitting down and you're going, oh, certainly not Om. Okay, because that's, that's meditation from Satan. We were never meant to empty our minds, ever. And I do a whole seminar on that biblical worldview stuff, but don't get me started, okay? Don't get into yoga with its eastern roots and all that stuff. You were never meant to empty your brain. You're meant to... So when it talks about meditating on the Word of God, it's not the meditating the world does. This means that everything Shelley Prindle does, whether I'm walking into Walmart buying blueberries or I'm preaching anxiety undone, I'm doing everything based on what? The Word of God and a consciousness of what the Holy Spirit is up to. Amen? That's what it means. This is... The blessed person, the truly happy person, the truly grounded person, the person who has it together is the person who does not take the counsel of the ungodly, but they meditate on His Word day and night. Now listen, verse 3 says, She shall be like a tree, check this out, planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf, does not wither. God comes against disintegration. Do you see that? Genesis tells us that as long as the earth endures, we're going to have winter and spring and summer and autumn. As long as the earth endures, that season of cycles is going to continue. Amen? And it is natural. Now, stay with me. This is so cool. You you should memorize Psalm 1 because it is natural for leaves to wither in the fall. But God is supernatural. Amen? It is natural for you to feel like you are going to fall apart under the pressure that this world of tribulation brings. Amen? But God is supernatural. And He said, if you will meditate on My Word day and night, if you will live by My Word, and that that means, seriously, that means studying that book, reading that book, memorizing that Scripture. If we can memorize who our favorite characters are on sitcoms, if we have time to watch Dancing with the Stars and all kinds of movies and do all kinds of shopping, if we have time to redecorate our living rooms and our dining rooms, guess what else we have time for? This is where I get really popular. You know, this is where people always want to have me back. Okay, guess what else we have time for? 
We have time to read and memorize the Word of God. Now, I really do feel the Holy Spirit talking here. This is not, this is not like I said, this is not a psychological self-help pep talk here. I'm going to be straightforward with you. If you are not investing time in reading and studying and understanding and memorizing the Word of God, you might as well forget your leaf. It's going to fall off. You will go crazy. I'm going to tell you something. Every one of the people in this room is this far from insanity. How many of you have ever gone to a point in your life, I have, where you realize I'm this close? to? Tr- I'm not making light of it. I mean truly being insane. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a fine, there's a fine line there. And there is one way to come against the natural. And the natural, the devil's realm, the fallen sinful nature's realm, in the natural flesh alone, your leaf will what? Wither. But you can be like a tree planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Amen. That is what the Bible says. And that is a beautiful promise, again, showing us that God is for integration. God is for wholeness. He'll even come against what would naturally happen to make your life what it should be. But how? Through the what? Through the meditating and living by the Word of God. Look, I can't walk through Walmart and get aggravated because there aren't enough cashiers and, you know, every time I walk through Walmart, I lose my testimony because I'm not even living by the Word of God. You can't do that and expect God to bless your life. Amen? I can't walk around, whether I have you know, family members in prison, whether, you know, I'm separated from people I love, whether I have a disease, what, no matter what I'm going through. My husband just lost his job. I mean, this past winter, right at Christmas time, my husband went into the hospital and had to have blood transfusions and nearly died. I can't walk around when problems come and put my head down and fall underneath of it and lose my belief in God. But that's not going to happen unless I've been grounded. Unless my tree is planted by the streams of water. And who is the water? The water of life is Jesus Christ. Amen? I remember when Jeff was in the emergency room, they had to throw me out of the triage center because he was dying there losing so much blood internally, didn't know what exactly was going on. He was dying, went out into the emergency room. Thank God Bria was with me. And I remember we had some kind of conversation. I looked at her and I said, God is right here. He's here. He's here where they have my husband's head tilted down on the table so that he doesn't you know, get some blood back to the brain. He's here while they're giving him a blood transfusion. God's here. God was there when they took my brother off to federal prison. I'm going to explain that in the second half, what exactly happened and how God turns darkness into light and how He's answering prayers when you think He's abandoning you. Amen? Listen, you can be like a tree planted by streams of water, but you've got to read it and study it and you've got to live it. This isn't an easy answer, this is, but this is God's truth. Now, another place, just in case you still think I'm crazy... And I always say to people, you can think I'm crazy for different reasons, but not for what I say about the Word of God, okay? Yes, I am crazy for being a straight of straw paper and all that stuff, but okay. And for loving math. I'll give you that much. You see that building down there? 
I don't care how cheap the rent is. I'm not moving in. All right? Because that building is what? Say it with me. Let's use our new word. Disintegrating. Okay? It's going towards brokenness, fracturing, unwholeness. We never like disintegration, whether it has to do with math, whether it has to do with the English language, or it has to do with buildings. It's not a good thing. All right? So that building's disintegrating. Do you know what the Word of God says in Matthew 7, 24 and 25? Oh, I love this. I just love this. This is another one of my favorite verses. I only have about three million of them, okay? This is one of them. You ready? The Bible says here, Jesus said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, stay with me. I know this is really there. I'm going to give you a new twist on it. Okay? The rain fell. The floods came. The winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall. Shelley's paraphrase, disintegrate. Because it had been founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now the same rain came and the same floods came and the same winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. It disintegrated. And great was the fall of it. Now, I want you to notice two things. First of all, the trouble came to both lives. I'm not standing up here in front of you as a person who doesn't have trouble. Matter of fact, being called to ministry, I think I have more trouble than the average person. I'll never forget, Karen's been with me longer than Bria has been with me. And when Bria came on board into Hope and Passion Ministry about a year afterwards, she sat down with me one day. She said, oh my goodness, if I would have known what it was like to be in the ministry, what the demons were going to try to do. She's like, I don't know. You're excited now, but you see. Okay. All right. Listen. And listen to me very carefully. Problems in your life are no evidence that God does not love you. Don't let the prosperity preachers of today, false teachers of today, make you believe that if you have troubles, you just don't have enough faith and God just doesn't know where you're at. Listen. Jesus said in John 16:33, These words I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. Amen? Take courage. I've overcome the world. So listen, the rains and the floods came to both houses. Here's the other thing that happened. And this is a convicting thing. And if you're sitting here, I want you to allow God to speak to you. Until we break and let Him say what He wants to say, nothing's going to change. So listen to me. Both parties, the foolish and the wise, heard the Word. You can sit in church for 26 years. You can give offering in the offering plate every single week. 
You can go home at night and do family devotions with your children and your husband. And you can be a foolish, foolish person with a disintegrating house. You have to hear the Word and do what it says. Amen? That's tough. But that's the difference. It's the difference between integration and disintegration. Why don't we like fractions? Why don't we like those numbers? Tell me again. Because they're broken. And the God who made your brain made it for what? Wholeness. He can come against the natural and supernaturally cause your leaf not to wither and your house not to disintegrate or crumble. Amen. Listen. Let the winds come. Let the bad report from the doctor come. Let the unemployment statistics come. Let the stock market crash. Let North Korea launch a missile. I'm not saying I want these things to happen, but if they do, guess what? My leaf's not going to wither. God will protect me. Amen? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or nakedness or famine or sword? Huh? No. None of these things will separate us from the love of Christ. Amen? Neither height nor death. Neither life nor death. Neither angels nor demons. No power. Nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ, which is in, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No ups or downs. Let these things come. God will protect you and give you sanity in the meantime. Isn't that something? Doesn't mean you won't cry, doesn't mean you won't hurt, but you'll have sanity in the meantime. Now I'm going to blow your minds, okay? Everybody just watch because there are going to be minds and brains just exploding all over. I hope it doesn't get on the beautiful new, you know, semi-new church molding and stuff here. Are you ready for this? Because they're going to pop out of your brain. You think I'm crazy. I know some of you still do. She's nuts with this mad stuff and really this disintegrating. Watch this. Now, I discovered this. I wrote Anxiety Undone in the year 2011. I'll never forget when God showed me all this stuff. And I was like jumping. Many times. By the way, I practice all my messages in my little tiny house. I live in a very small house. And um, my husband often travels and works and I don't have kids. So I'll just start preaching up and down the hallway from the living room to the kitchen. Loudly. Yeah, people look in the windows sometimes if it's summer. I don't care. Nobody's there. I'm just preaching away. And the day that I got this, I was like, I can't believe this. This is amazing. I mean, I've been a math teacher all this time. I'm always relating math to God and thinking about what He's trying to say through it. Now, fractions we don't like because it, division or minds weren't made to be that way. Watch this. Paul said one of the most quoted scriptures in all of Christianity is Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious. Now, I know that you're just dying to know what the Greek root behind that word is, aren't you? How many of you want to know Greek now? You can leave here and say, I learned trigonometry and Greek. Okay, you ready? All right. The Greek, now this is going to blow your mind. Hold on to your craniums. The Greek root behind anxious, when it says do not be anxious about anything, watch this. 